gracious and holy God, uh, we find ourselves so grateful uh, that you have given us the <clears throat> gift of your word um, that is a word that just comes alive for us every time we turn to it. Uh, that you send your Holy Spirit uh, to be present to us, uh, to speak to us um, through words written uh, thousands of years ago, but uh, that were also written just for us um, in the time and space that we encounter them today. So Lord, uh, just open us, um, open us to the message you have for us this day. Um, help us uh, to be attentive to you. Um, help us to just turn our attention and focus um, as we listen to your Spirit's leadings uh, this day. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. So for our sermon series this Lent uh, with the theme of wilderness, we are uh, grateful to be using resources created by uh, the women of a sanctified art. Um, and along with some of the liturgy uh, that you'll hear throughout the sermon series, um, they've also created um, pieces of artwork uh, based on um, each of the scriptures that we'll encounter. And so as we read scripture to you throughout this sermon series, there'll be a piece of art for you to reflect upon um, as you hear um, these words of God uh, spoken to you this day. Um, so let us turn and listen to that word of God for us this morning. First, from the book of Genesis. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may not eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, or we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And now from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, 
so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So as you step into the season of Lent, what's the wilderness look like for you? I'd invite you to stop, take a deep breath, and take a look around. What's the landscape of your life look like for you right now? Where do you find desert places as you look upon your life? In the introduction to the Lenten Daily Devotional we're using this season, the author shared David Resenberger's reflections on wilderness. He points out, The Greek word traditionally translated desert or wilderness doesn't mean hot and dry. It means uninhabited, lonely, with no human population. Every area of life has some potential to be a desert. Where do the desert places exist for you right now? Maya was recently watching one of those competition survival shows where they drop people into different sections of wilderness with the resources they were able to acquire at the beginning of the show. They're trying to make it on their own in the wilds the longest to win a prize. What becomes clear as you watch their days in the wilderness unfold is how vulnerable they each are how a little flyer that blows the wrong way or a misstep that leads to a fall can be so threatening. As days stretch into weeks, the toll the isolation takes on them becomes more and more clear. I've also been reading Little House on the Prairie to Bryn recently, and the story of the Wilder family is no different. As they first make their life in the big woods of Wisconsin and then move to the prairies of Oklahoma, you watch so many threats from the wilds reveal their vulnerability as well. Whether it was a panther that leapt from treetop to treetop tracking paw, or the mosquitoes that brought the whole family down with malaria, or a band of wolves that passed by their cabin at night, there's just a sense of how vulnerable they are as they seek to carve out their life in the wilds as well. I think we find ourselves in wilderness places when we too are in touch with our vulnerability, when things are unfamiliar and uncomfortable, when we can't fool ourselves with some semblance of control, when we are in unchartered territory, when we don't have a map, when we aren't quite sure how we will find our way. So what's the wilderness look like for you right now? Where are the lonely, 
unsure places in this season of life for you. One of my dearest friends is one of the members in my pastor's group. She's just a few years younger than me, is the head pastor of her church while her husband is the head chaplain of a large hospital system and they have two young children whom they adore. It was last summer after getting some routine blood work that her husband learned his liver enzymes were high and was sent for more testing. As soon as they received them, those initial test results placed them smack dab in the middle of wilderness territory. As there were so many unknowns, and as they realized what the possible causes of those elevated levels were, there was also so much at stake. As I've journeyed with my dear friend ever since, I've watched her and her husband navigate wilderness terrain. There have been ultrasounds and MRIs and one tentative diagnosis after and then another. What became clear fairly quickly was that her husband had a large tumor in the left lobe of his liver. While lots of signs pointed to the tumor being benign, the doctor spent weeks trying to determine what type of tumor it was and what course of action they should take as a result. One diagnosis meant that the tumor should stay right where it was, that it would risk more harm removing it than doing nothing. The alternate diagnosis meant the tumor needed to come out because it was at risk of becoming malignant or even rupturing which because of its size would be an event he would not likely survive. The doctors went back and forth, consulted with colleagues, took his tumor to tumor review boards for others to weigh in, but eventually the decision was left to my friend and her husband. After presenting them with everything they knew, the percentages of risk for each course of action, they were left to decide which one to take. David Rensberger goes on to name this about the wilderness. The truth is that we must simply learn to live in the desert, must try to remain oriented toward God as we go on through the misery. The divine presence is not the way out of the desert. It is the way through the desert. Remain attentive to God stay utterly dependent on God, this is the lesson of the desert. Sometimes, like Eve, we create our own wilderness conditions. Rather than trusting God and relying on God's gift to see us through, something tempts us to go our own way, to turn our backs on the proverbial gardens of Eden in this life. Eve and Adam with her are trying to gain control of their existence, to have power over it, rather than to trust and rely on their God. In the end, they find themselves in the wilds of the world outside the garden, getting exactly what they wanted, to be able to live life on their own terms and by their own power. And at the same time, recognizing the consequences of that choice. Other times, we are thrown into the wilderness by events outside of ourselves, blood work that comes back off, news that our company has been sold, discovering someone we trust has betrayed us. So often when we find ourselves in the wilderness, when we feel vulnerable, unsure, 
Our impulse can be to try and take control, to garnish power over the wilds. We see the tempter try to lure Jesus with this human impulse of ours. Jesus has been in the desert for 40 days. His human body would be hungry, tired, exhausted, ready for a break. Each time the devil tempts him, at the root of those temptations is power. The power to turn stone into bread and secure his own provision. The power to command angels and secure his own protection. The power over kingdoms to secure his own position. Each time Jesus rejects these power plays by the devil, who is seeking to secure his own authority over Jesus and in the world, Jesus continually submits to the power of his God instead. And when the devil finally leaves him as a result, angels come to care for and attend to him. In her article, Into the Wild, Debbie Thomas notes what happens at Jesus' baptism just before he is thrown into the wilderness. At his baptism, Jesus heard the absolute truth about who he was. That was the easy part. The much harder part came in the wilderness when he had to face down every vicious assault on that truth. When the memory of his father's voice from heaven faded and he had to learn how to be God's beloved in a lonely wasteland. Maybe we, like Jesus, need long stints in the wilderness to learn what it really means to be God's beloved. Because the unnerving fact is, we can be beloved and uncomfortable at the same time. We can be beloved and unsafe at the same time. In the wilderness, the love that survives is flinty, not soft, salvific, not sentimental. Learning to trust that love takes time. My friend's husband had surgery on Tuesday of last week. To make that decision, they had to just trust after taking in all the data they had been given, talking about it, praying over it, listening to their hearts and their guts, they had to just trust that removing the tumor was the right path, even though there was so much that was unknown, so much that was out of their control. The surgeon removed the entire left lobe of his liver to get his grapefruit-sized tumor out. While the pathology report won't come back until later this week, they did an ultrasound of the right lobe of his liver and it looks perfectly healthy with no discernible abnormalities. The liver is an organ in the body that regenerates and the doctors feel confident that his will regrow to its normal size in a matter of months. The surgery went perfectly and his recovery so far has been good. For a surgery as major as this one, that recovery includes five to seven days in the hospital and another five to seven weeks at home after that. The hospital is about an hour from their house, so my friend rented a hotel room within walking distance of the hospital for the first few days of his stay while her parents kept their kids at their home. The days at the hospital are long and they come at the end of an even longer journey marked with so much stress and anxiety. Their time in the wilds is way past the 40-day mark at this point, and there is still so much ahead of them, 
So my friend is tired and weary, even as she is grateful and relieved. The day before she was preparing to check out of her hotel room, she went up to the valet parking attendant to ask him if she might leave her parked car in their lot until she was ready to leave the area after she had checked out of her room the following day. The attendant looked at her and asked, aren't you the one whose husband's in the hospital? Didn't he have surgery this week? Yes, that's me, she replied. He looked at her with a knowing smile on his face. I got you. You don't worry about a thing. I got you. Y'all, we cannot avoid the wilderness. All of our lives will be marked with seasons spent in the desert, time when we are transversing the wilds. Yes, the wilderness will be filled with devils trying to tempt us away from the truth of who we are, the truth of whose we are, God's beloved. They will try to convince us to garnish our own power, depend on ourselves alone as we make our way through the desert. Yet it is not only devils that live in the wilderness. There are angels waiting to care for us there too. Whether they be parking attendants or dear friends or caring nurses or loving parents, God will send angels our way to speak and to provide, to care for us and to lift us up, to remind us we belong to a God who a million ways to Sunday has spoken those powerful words into our lives time and again. I got you. I got you. Today, I'll leave you with the words of the poet Jan Richardson, who proclaims that same message this way in her poem, Beloved is Where We Begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence, whisper our name. Beloved, beloved, beloved. Amen and amen and amen.